Welcome to the Modern Conservative Podcast. Today, John Harvey's guest is Goud Maragani. Due to a technical issue, the first 45 seconds of this episode are missing. Did you decide to run as a conservative? Well, Salt Lake County. Salt Lake County. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I live. It's my home. And I wanted to make a difference and to help make our election system more transparent mm-hmm. and make improvements to the various systems that are used to process and count your ballots. Uh, I was hoping that people would like that vision because uh, I think we could have a much better run county clerk's office than mm-hmm. we have now and that we will have in the future. Now, <laughs> was it rough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it rough? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I was a first-time candidate. I was someone that came straight out of the grassroots. I mean, you knew me before. Right, and right. I, I was a guy who just, uh, as, as I've told people, I really only got involved after the 2020 election. Right. Um, and I and that's what kind of started me down that path. I ended up running the Salt Lake County GOP's Election Integrity Committee. Mm-hmm. And it was after doing that, seeing the problems that we saw with our clerk's office, that I decided to run. I didn't have any dreams of being a politician. Same here. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I didn't have any dreams of running for a county clerk. I know sometimes people find that surprising. But, um, you know, and so... It, it, that's how that's how this started, but I don't think people understand how rough a campaign can be because you come under a lot of attack. Mm-hmm. And you know, I understand that's part of that's politics. I get it. And that's what people would say. But you know, uh, they do things that are really interesting. Uh, they sent out multiple flyers, and I don't know exactly the full audience of the flyers, but mm-hmm. I was definitely on their mailing list. So you can imagine going to your mailbox, opening your mailbox, and then seeing a flyer with your face on it. And all these negative things about you, and you're like, oh, whoa. <laughs> what was the negative? Because you're a good guy. I mean, I mean, I don't know what could they say negative about you because I didn't hear anything negative about me. But granted, I don't deal with Salt Lake County that much as far as that political scene. Yeah, well, you know, they found my old, I guess they found, quote, unquote, found. I had left them up. But mm-hmm. there were telegram posts that I had done about different issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they took that and made it a big deal. Uh, they hmm. ignored actually the positive ones. So Always. Kind of, yeah, and they focus on things they thought were negative. So, you know, um, and whatever it was. But they took those then, they put them into flyers, uh, and then they mailed them to people. So, you know, you and I were talking before the show, you know, um, the Salt Lake Tribune. You know, we had mentioned that, you know, we've got to do something about the Salt Lake Tribune. <laughs> Yeah. That 501c3 status that they have just protects them. And they're violating it every single election. Yeah. And I'm sure you felt the same way and seen the results of their, how do I say it, their partisan attitude when it comes to conservatives in the state. Yeah, I actually think so. So, you know, like the I, I, what people don't realize is when you run as a Republican, you actually you step into the ring with a system that is with a big disadvantage, right? Mm. The media is part of that. And with the Tribune, though, because they went and they became a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization, they have now made it. So I think that's an area that we can actually fix. And as part of when you're a 501c3, you're not allowed to take sides in political races. Right. Okay. In this case, I think we actually have really good evidence that they took sides in the county clerk's race. Um, they take a very narrow view of what that means under the law. So according to the Tribune, that just means they can't endorse candidates. 
But if you look at the guidance, it's much broader than that. And let me give you an example of what they did in this case. Please. So uh, I was the first person to come out in the race with an op-ed. And the week after I put out an op-ed, one of my opponent's supporters printed an op-ed. It was this lady, Kathy Adams. Um, she's, she actually, in her op-ed, she said a bunch of things. She mocked my name. Um, and, and so after that happened, I emailed the opinions editor and asked him if I could respond to that op-ed. Mm-hmm. He said no. Because, and I asked because they were attacking me. So I said, like, can I respond? No. You can only post an op-ed once every 30 days. So what they did is they limited my ability. They, they controlled how much access you would have to the op-ed page as a way to support one candidate over another. Mm-hmm. What this ended up being is that my opponent and her supporters were able to print nine op-eds and letters to the editor during the campaign cycle. I was able to print three. I had four supporters who submitted op-eds and letters to the editor to the Tribune. All of them were rejected. Really? Yeah. Two of them were outright rejected, like explicitly. The other two, the opinions editor just ghosted. Uh, he ghosted a guy who, one of my supporters, someone who I work for on a deployment, mm-hmm. who's like a seven-time combat vet, mm-hmm. ghosted him. Uh, ghosted another woman. She is an immigrant from Armenia. Mm-hmm. Has been here for a long time, mm-hmm. but she really related to having an unusual name and, and seeing when somebody mocked it in the newspaper. And so she wrote a letter to the editor. He just ghosted her. And so that's, that's one way that they supported one candidate over the other. Mm-hmm. Another example is that they sent out an email to their entire email list, and the prominent photo in that email was my opponent's campaign sign. So that's like free advertising, right? right. Very that's purposeful. not like in kind. Yeah, that's in kind. Yeah, in, in kind, kind, free yeah. advertising. Mm-hmm. And that was done, that, that type of stuff, you, what we can do, I think what the Republican Party has to do is actually go in now and file a complaint saying that they're abusing their nonprofit status. And this is, this is one race where there's really good evidence of it. But I think if we dig in a little bit, we'll find that it happens in more than just this race. Well, I mean, you think about it, you know, Trevor Lee's, you know, shots came out to Trevor and myself like, you know, we were a bunch of, well, he did call me a racist and a white nationalist. Uh, he but, called you one? Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. <laughs> yeah, Trevor was on my show, yeah. and we we're just having a conversation. And Trevor said the T word, and they said that we we were racist. Now it wasn't Shots that said it; it actually was Steve Handy, who they asked, basically asking to come back in the race as a write-in. Oh, uh, okay. And so he called me a white racist on KSL Radio. And I'm thinking, so I got some calls from the Senate, Utah Senate, and they said, does he not know you're African-American? I said to one person, dude, I'm not an African-American. I'm American. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not African-American. You know what I mean. I said, yeah, I do, but I'm still American. But I said, obviously, he doesn't know. I'm just as black as night. And uh, so, yeah, but shots started. He's the one that came after Trevor, and then he— uh, came after myself, and he actually sent me an email. Say, hey, would you be interested in talking to me about the given situation? Hell no. <laughs> Just like hell no. And then he went on Facebook, 
no, I mean, excuse me, Twitter and posted that I was a conservative um, host on the Modern Conservative podcast who had Trevor Lee speaking racial slurs or some crap like that. Uh, now, all he said was the T word. That's all he said. Interesting. I don't know what the T word is, but you can tell it me. It was tranny. It was oh, tranny. Okay, okay. He used okay. the word tranny. Yeah. But I heard Rupe Hall speak of the word. Rupe Hall said it's a word of endearment. And the, and their and you know in their direct contact, and so the question was, so why is it such a bad word now? And RuPaul said, almost quoted, said, because now they're trying to create another victim. Yeah, I think that that like there's kind of this changing standards of language, right? It's hard mm -hmm. to keep up with it, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that the Tribune's kind of the bias and the various races is something that we can help fix. We, I mean, the goal here would be to make them a better newspaper, right? Right now, they're just, they are a partisan uh, newspaper. Political hack is what they yeah. really are. And let's, by doing these types of challenges, and like I said, I think the party needs to do it. They should challenge it at the federal level, challenge it at the state level, and challenge it at the local level. Because if they own their building downtown, and they're not, if they're a nonprofit, they're not having to pay property taxes either. Mm -hmm. So you, you go through, you can present the evidence really well, and I think you can make a good case that they're abusing that nonprofit status. And the goal would be, again, to make them fix it. You know, I have some really good friends here in, in the Republican Party in Utah, GOP. But I don't know if you think they'll initiate something like that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interest in it based on my I know there's a lot of, especially so. Salt Lake County. Yeah, yeah. I know Salt Lake County, there's a lot of interest in it, and you know who we're talking about. And so, because I spoke to this particular person as well about the same issue. We've got to just, because when I was a 50C with Blexit, when I was running a Candace's organization here in Utah, there's certain things I couldn't do. I'm political, but when I'm speaking as, as Blexit, I couldn't endorse a candidate. Certain things I can't particularly say in favor of a candidate, particular candidate. I have to speak in general, and uh, and that will that may be something that the Tribune may say. Well, we're just speaking in general, blah 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 blah. We're not really pointing our fingers at anybody, but what you're doing is stifling conservative content. You know, in your case, it was three to one. You know, and uh, that's favoritism. I mean, you may not say, sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you do that tells the story. And with the Tribune, that's the story that's been told. So I don't know what's going to happen with the Tribune, but something's got to be done. And like you said, it stated earlier, the legislature needs to do something. The Republican Party needs to do something. Somebody need to crack down on their, 501c, their 50C3 status and say, hey, look, you keep this crap up, then you're going to pay a penalty. So we'll see what happens. What else did you learn in the election? Would you do it again? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to the future, right? I know now I, I am the president of the Utah Law Academy mm -hmm. Republicans. And so, you know, we'll go through. We won't just hit, obviously, the Law Academy Republicans, so it's gay conservatives. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't just talk about gay issues, but I think what I'll try to do is reinvigorate the organization. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're gay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't be a conservative. But like I'm black and I shouldn't be a conservative. Yep. How does that work? We must be mentally distraught 
We we don't know what we're doing. Maybe we're whitewashed, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, what is it like? You're an Oreo. Yeah, we're an Oreo because we're definitely not supposed to be conservatives. We're the bad guys. But it's amazing though. Even you being gay, you're part of a racial network, racist network. I'm black. I'm part of a racial organization or movement, I should say. But I don't give a damn. Yeah, I mean that's my attitude too. Is it, you know, it is what it is. I don't think it. I actually found what was it was interesting is that it really was not a big issue during the campaign. Exactly. Part of it is though, I didn't really talk about it much because I didn't think it was relevant to anything. It absolutely is not. Yeah, but even when you talk to people and they would know that, typically it was just they were interested. Uh, if they were more liberal, a lot of times they would be surprised because they would say, "Well, I don't understand why you're a Republican if you're gay <laughs> and you're a minority." Uh, and your parents immigrated here and all these things. And but, you know, like my values are conservative. And, you know, I've I've told people before, like I was a, I was raised a Democrat. I was a Democrat into my 30s. Yeah. And so I had to change. And I think in some ways the Democrat Party kind of left me. But I've also become more conservative as I've gotten older, which I think happens to a lot of people. Hear ye. <laughs> because yeah. I was at one time, you know, I was a Democrat. Now, I wasn't an acting, de- acting Democrat, but I, I grew up Democratic. And, uh, but as I've gotten older and uh, started paying taxes, <laughs> then I started changing, you know, who I, who I was to become later in life came out in 2020. That triggered a lot of the things that changed my mind about the Democratic Party. But I've always been in a point at a point where I've always said, why is it every two to four years somebody's a racist? It's always and then the race game come about. Now I want to make a I want to be some transparent. Now I didn't just find out he's gay. I've already known him. He's a friend of mine. So I'm just playing the role right now. But I've already known he was gay. But uh so I don't want people to, well, he just let you have him. Cause, no, I already knew. I already know who was gay. So, But I didn't know you, you're you the president of Law Cabin Republican. Yeah. So when did they have this vote? Uh, this is, It's maybe been a month. And so after the, the clerk's race, mm-hmm. I, this was a possibility, so I ran for it. I think this gives me an opportunity and the group an opportunity to be able to become more engaged in policy and start to have positive impacts both in Salt Lake County, at least in Salt Lake County and at the state level. Mm-hmm. So the way I envision this is we're going to be much more engaged with legislators Perfect. and stuff to try to Perfect. impact policy going forward. And that's one thing about the Law Cabin Republican. They weren't that really active here, you know, this past two years that I've been involved. Though, you know, I mean, the ex-president is a really good friend of ours. And so and he had his own thing and he was busy and I get that. But I like more organizations this time around, get more involved, spend more time up up at the Capitol. Let the legislators see your face and let them know we're not playing with you this time. Let you know that, you know, we're going to do some good things in the state. We're going to write bills. I mean, we're going to work on getting great candidates in this time in in 2024. And uh, we're dead serious. And I think and and we all need to learn to get along when it comes to conservatives. We fight amongst ourselves. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. But I don't. I've, I don't understand it. I mean, what's funny? What I've learned in these past two years, when it comes to the conservative movement, people don't like to give up their money and donate to campaigns. The Democrats smash us every single time. And why do you think that is? 
I don't know why. <laughs> do you? I mean, do you have a thing? I can tell you in in the local races in Salt Lake County, at least in the in the three countywide, mm-hmm. like at large county council seat, the district attorney's race and the county c- clerk's race. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of us were massively outraised by the Democrats. So at the on the district attorney and the at large county council seat, mm-hmm. the Democrats in both cases raised four hundred thousand or more dollars. Uh, the Republicans raised a fraction of that. In the county clerk's race, my opponent raised about $220,000. However, that's not the full story at the county clerk's level because there was a PAC called Open Democracy PAC out of D.C. It's a dark money-funded PAC, partially funded by George Soros, but also left-wing billionaires like him. Schott actually did a Twitter thread where he talked about the different... he He thought it was an own... He was all excited he did this, but he uh-huh. actually exposed that it wasn't just funded by George Soros. It was being funded by other foreign billionaires that don't even live here. And um, In a Utah race? In a Utah local race. Really? They spent $180,000 on those flyers I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Those were funded by them. In addition to that, the lieutenant governor's office spent some amount of money on a on the advertising campaign. I don't know if you saw it, but it was about how elections in Utah are safe and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a grandma request that I've submitted to her office trying to find out. I'm curious how much mo- taxpayer money they spent on that campaign and more because that was kind of unprecedented. Uh, but it gives you a sense because that was very supportive of all the different incumbent clerks throughout the state. So I'd like to know how much was spent there. And on top of that, you had UAC, the Utah Association of Counties. Mm-hmm. That is primarily funded by taxpayer money and uh, through your counties. They also did an advertising campaign talking about how elections are safe and perfect in Utah. So when you combine all of that, it'll be interesting to see what the actual total amount is in terms of spending in that county clerk's race. So can they spend taxpayer dollars on elections? Because the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, they're not even part of the state government. They're just organizations of of political parties who actually run the state right now, but they're not part of the Utah state government. Same thing is on the federal side as well. So how are they using taxpayer money, the state, to, to, how do I want to put this, to embellish how safe our elections really are? Well, it's the lieutenant governor's office doing it. So she, they're, the state legislature is passing bill budget bills that allow them to do advertising, and that's part of that whatever pot of money that is. Like I said, I didn't see a specific entry for this this campaign. I don't mm-hmm. think it was something that was envisioned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm trying to find out how much money they spent. At the county level, they're not doing it directly. They're contributing the, to UAC, that Utah Association mm-hmm. of Counties, which is this nonprofit group that they're all all the counties in Utah are a member of. And then UAC is funding the funded the advertising campaign. And I don't know how much that campaign costs, but it would be interesting to see that because it, it'll give us a sense of what we're up against going forward. That's mm-hmm. all this is about. Mm-hmm. And so I think those we have to be able to fundraise more. And this is why it's important. We have an all-mail-in ballot system, right? which means that people are disengaged from that in-person politics portion of this. The way that you communicate, I think, with a lot of people that are, that are not coming out as much, they're not coming to these events, uh, like you can have a meet and greet, you can do all these things and you may not meet them, is you, got, you have to be able to communicate to their phones, to their computers, mm-hmm. um, and that costs money. And you, need to, you probably need to be able to mail them stuff. 
So we need to start being able to amp up or ramp up our fundraising capabilities, which I think has to start at the party level. The party has to really set up the fundraising network so that when you have candidates that come up through the ranks, you can then help them fundraise and fundraise in the dollar amounts they need to be able to really compete against Democrats. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing we could do is hire fundraising consultants. My opponent had one. I only know this because I went to a, a Salt Lake County Bar Association event, and I was going around talking to people, and there was a woman there when I was talking to her about some of the issues, she was like, in full disclosure, I am supporting uh, your opponent's campaign. I said, oh, cool. Like, what do you do for her? <laughs> and she was like, oh, I'm her fundraising consultant. So she, so there, there are people that I guess will go out and call and fundraise for you. And that's something the Republican Party probably needs to look into as well. I, I, I'm going to implement my own way of a method of raising money. Um, I want to do concerts big ones okay to raise money for the party um so if you listen to me out there i am looking for volunteers and you can message me at the modern conservative podcast at gmail.com if you're interested in getting involved please message me and let me know because uh i don't want what happened um this year when people don't have money good candidates here's my philosophy those who, ha- those who have the eyes win the prize. And that's usually the person with the most amount of money. As far as, I mean, it's really, 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 really uncommon for someone who don't have a lot of money to beat an incumbent. Yeah, see, I don't want us to be too focused on having to have more money. I just think we need to have, we need to have enough money to be competitive on, and, and so it's helpful. Because I think what happened in 2020, mm-hmm. they were able to win races spending very little money. I don't think Lori Stringham spent a lot of money in her race. There was a change in the environment, though, I think, in the intervening two years. And some of it has to do with, I think, the Democrats understood what had happened in 2020. That they got, in one example, they got beat by someone who hardly spent any money. Um, and so they recalibrated. That was smart. Uh, I think the Tribune also understood what happened. And so then they more explicitly took sides in these races that happened in 2022, which I don't think they did in 2020 as much. Um, And then there's also the social media aspect of this, right? Right. That, you know, we're getting some sense of how at least Twitter was manipulating what people were seeing, right? Um, In fact, I think Elon Musk actually confirmed that they were shadow banning candidates for office while they're running for office. They have ways to stop amplification of your tweets and things like that. And, it's, and you know, that's Twitter. That's what we know about. There's also Facebook and Google. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that they do the same things. Facebook absolutely does the same thing because um, before all of this happened, um, when I first started in 2022, I mean 2020, um, I can post things on Facebook and it would just – Put it this way, I went from 347 in April of 2022 to 5,090 days. Wow. And then it just stopped. Now, I kept getting, they kept putting me in timeout as well. So, and they was put me in timeout. And I said, screw you, Facebook. I don't care what you do to me. I don't play this game. You get. I said, it's just social media. It's just child's play. Just do what you want to do. So I keep posting 
and they keep t locking me up, post me to lock him up. I'm surprised they didn't waterboard me eventually. But uh, so I've been heavily shadow banned. I can't even, I can't even look on my thing and see on my uh, Facebook and see how many people have viewed one of my posts. Oh wow! I can't even see that. So I've been shadow banned now. But my podcast, when I was doing audio, it was just growing like wildfire. But when I transfer and start doing things on Facebook, so I just told my people, I'm done with Facebook. But so, you know, that's another, but the, back to 2020, I think people were less active in 2020 because of COVID as well. And uh, I think people used it to their advantage. Um, I remember saying at a, at a meeting that Trump's not going to win in 2020. And people say, you're crazy, blah, 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 blah. I said, no, the moment they said mail-in ballots, I knew the game was over. And at that time, there was no cheating at the time because the election wasn't even here. Um, I just said, you know, mail-in voting, really? I said, that is the best way to pull a scam. Now, I've been trying to, I'm one of these people who do not like to get into the weeds, but I do use my common sense. And the common sense is simply this. You know, if you want to do something in the dark, you keep the light turned off. And we were excluded. You know, the media was bad. You know, I mean, look at what's going on with Elon Musk. You don't hear the media talking about the that he uh, dropped a batch of things that was going on in Twitter. You don't hear the mainstream media talking about it. NBC, CBS, ABC, they're not talking about it. Fox News is, Newsmax is, the alternatives are, but the media isn't. And that is to keep those in the dark. When I'm having a conversation, gal, with people, and I say to them, do you ever heard of USG, ESG? No, what's that? You know, these people are in the dark. Have you heard of CRT, critical race theory, or SEL? No, never heard of that. But these are the same people who think they're educated. But they know nothing but things that are critical in our country. Yeah, you know, on the just on the Twitter part of this, right? It is I initially in the campaign, I was kind of ignoring it. Like I would post on it, but I wasn't engaging with commentary. Mm -hmm. What I found though is that it's actually it's pretty effective in that the the liberal I don't want to say liberals, it's more like the leftists, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Democrats that were really more engaged where they would put false information about me on it. And then they have people who have a lot of followers would, would retweet it, and then it would spread. spread. So suddenly there's a rumor that I'm against mail-in voting, and I would talk to someone random at, a, at an event, and she'd be like, well, I heard you're against mail-in voting. So well, that's not true. I never said that. And in fact, I put out a video about it because uh -huh. this, this rumor keeps coming up, but it was because she had read it on Twitter. And so when I when I realized that was happening, I started to engage on Twitter because I was like, well, this the problem here is that it is you kind of it's a blind spot if you're not engaging on it, and they're using that to spread misinformation. Mm -hmm. We'll use their term. Mm -hmm. They're they're spreading misinformation on Twitter about you, and so you actually have to go and engage with them. So what happened is that as I started to engage, even though I don't have a lot of followers, I was getting a lot of engagement and impressions. It, it kept building and building, and I ended up having a tweet that had almost 29,000 impressions. Wow. Yeah, and this is, and at the time, I think I had like 60 followers, right? So mm -hmm. clearly, what I had said had had some sort of an impact. But then after that, 
it started the engagement started to drop off again. And after seeing what has been released by Elon Musk or mm-hmm. by Twitter, mm-hmm. it raises a couple of questions. I think uh, one is it wasn't just it's not Twitter wasn't doing all of this stuff on their own. There were government officials involved in requesting it. So today, I think they actually confirmed FBI, right. DHS was involved mm-hmm. in it. Last week, I think I saw the, uh, that the Secretary of State, uh, Katie Hobbs, mm-hmm. in Arizona, Arizona. There is an ex- like she is request she requested a Twitter for them to take down someone's tweets or their or and do things like that. So it's not just the federal government; it's even a state official, which I think raises a question about whether there were any elected officials or government employees in Utah who did that. Uh, if we had a better, uh, I think a like a less a press. We I wish we had a press that was interested in that and would go and ask that question because the equivalent of the Secretary of State in Arizona is the Lieutenant Governor in Utah, right? Right. These are questions we should be asking our elected officials we, because if they did it. That's a violation of our First Amendment rights. Right. Uh, the other question I have, though, is there would be this, what would happen is I would say something, for example, uh, adjudicated ballots. Mm-hmm. When they adjudicate your ballot, uh, well, what happens is if the software can't read your ballot, then it gets kicked into a different line, and a team of two will look at it, and they'll try to determine how you intended to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's various reasons it could happen. You use red pen, you fill in a circle too much, fill it in too little, et cetera. And during that process, they can change your vote. When you say that, it gets elected officials really upset because they'll say, no, that's not true. And then you say, no, that is true. That's part of, that's an inherent part of the process. I've seen them do it. Then they'll say, well, there's proper controls in place. Okay. Well, you can argue that point. That's fine. But, um, when I would talk about these issues, there would be people who would respond and say, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to respond really quick, but I'm telling people not to engage with his posts because that helps amplify what he's saying. Um, and I do wonder if there's, and maybe we'll learn this later, I don't know, if Twitter would pick up on language like that and then mm-hmm. stop, make it so your posts wouldn't get amplified. Like trigger words. Yeah, because that would be kind of interesting, right, to have an AI in place that could do things like that. I don't think we know the full story yet, and I'm interested to see where this all leads in terms of Twitter. Uh, but I think here there's questions we should be asking in Utah uh, to see how much of an impact it had here. But the problem here, Gal, in Utah is that people are afraid to ask that question because they want, don't want to sp- seem to be conspiratorial. You know, people are, are you know worried about becoming a conspiracy theorist. And... Uh, but the only way you're going to find these things out, you have to ask the question whether it make you look like you're a conspiracy, conspiracy theory or not. Well, then prove the theory, the conspiracy wrong then. Okay. Nobody asked that, you know. It's kind of like this, you know, when, when people are talking conspiracies and yet a lot of these things have actually came true, which has started out as a conspiracy, like, for example, Hunter Biden, for example. You know, Facebook, Twitter... And Google suppressed that story. That also came out in the Elon Musk uh, video, I mean, discovering as well, that he gave to, what's his name, Tlaib? Uh, uh, Taibi. Taibi. Yeah. yeah, that they actually did suppress that story. But when we were talking about it, you know, we were conspiracy theorists. So I, I would hope that at some point it trains people to realize, and they said this crap before it even came out, 
and now we find out it's actually true, maybe we should just say, tell you what, let's just figure it out. You prove it to us, and then we'll make our decision and prove it to us, government. We want to see it. So stand with the people that are conspiracy. We're talking conspiracy theory because at the end of the day, it changes things and rewrite the ship in a manner that's positive for everybody. So, I mean, let's think about it. if the Republicans are in party and this was happening to the Democrats, you know damn well what's going to happen with those guys. They're going to hell on high water. They're going to expose you. And so, I mean, I, I, everything nowadays is conspiracy theory, but yet so much of it is found out to be true. Facebook, Twitter proved it. Yeah, no, I actually... I, I tend to approach this a little bit. We may have a similar view on this. I don't trust government. Oh, absolutely. Okay? And I think that we should be asking questions. And we should be constantly questioning. And I don't care about the party of the person in elected office. Mm -hmm. You should be constantly questioning them. I'm, I was a Trump supporter, right? I voted for him in 2016. I voted for him in 2020. I didn't agree with everything he did, and I asked a lot of questions because yeah. I, I don't owe you my trust. Right. Yeah, you got to earn it, and it's probably not going to stay because you're a politician, and I don't think politicians are particularly trustworthy. Right. And it's not to be offensive. It's just they have other interests that are not going to be my interests. Right. Um, I don't trust billionaires. You know, so you know, I think what Elon Musk is doing so far at Twitter is great, but if you think I'm going to say you know, he's – He's God or he's so great. No, I don't trust him. I don't, I don't yeah. either. And, and, that's, and what's interesting about that is on the flip side, when you bring up George Soros and how he funds Democrats and how he funded my opponent, that drives uh, the left and a lot of these kind of more partisan Democrats up the wall because they act like they trust him. I'm like, I don't, why do you try? He's a billionaire. First of all, you don't need to defend him. Let him defend himself, Right. He's got billions of dollars. You don't have that. Kind and of have money. you noticed everybody defends George Soros, but you rarely see George Soros in public yeah. on TV shows because everybody protects him and speaks on his behalf as he's the best thing since the Democrat Party. You know, and and they all know he's a socialist, but yet, but yet, how many people really want to become a social a socialist society? <laughs> Maybe more than we think. Well, you know, well, half of America just blew my yeah theory out of why what and you know this past couple months ago you know so who knows now I don't know where this country is going. I mean I do know where it's going if we don't write the ship. Yeah. Well, you can see like to your point about Twitter and how people how the media is not responding about it. Right, they're not reporting it. It's really interesting to see that because. Um, I, so I look at Twitter, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's actually really interesting. It's become way more interesting since Elon Musk took it over. There's a lot more kind of variety right. in viewpoints. Yep. And if you look at the people that are more the partisan Democrats, they do not like that, it's, that, that there's more free speech on there. That people, that conservatives now can actually speak. That you can talk about COVID. That you can talk about elections. That you can talk about all these things and do it much more honestly than you could before it makes them upset they, they call everything misinformation because they can't engage and actually debate on the topics but on a really basic level i just think as americans we should be pro free speech then and i find it bizarre when and i'll give you an example like you you can look at brian's shot there's mm -hmm. someone he keeps talking about he's going to get off twitter <laughs> uh i don't know when that's you know i think it'll be 
a blessing for everybody when it does, but you know, but he's, he's not going to do it. It's just a constant complaint. And he says things like, Oh, now that they're letting all the Nazis back on. Well, can you point to someone that you think is a Nazi? Because I think when you start naming people, uh, you're probably going to get a defamation claim against you because I don't think there's that many Nazis in America. Uh, what you're, what you're trying to do is you're actually, like I said, you're defaming people by calling them names like that when it's not true. And I just think we should be happy when there's free speech because let's let the best ideas win. I think over the past couple of years, what we've seen is that there has been a, a real control of information. Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't know if people were always prone to believe that stuff or if COVID changed how we think. And it was just the right circumstances because we had the internet, we had social media, we were able to, you know, the government was able to lock people in their homes essentially and isolate them from each other and then kind of destroy natural information flow. And then, and it, because it, I can tell that it, when I'm looking at Twitter, if I look at people that are saying the same things, it changes how you think about things, mm-hmm. right? You have to kind of step back after looking at it and say, well, uh, is, is that what I really think? Or let me kind of think about the different perspectives and where I want to come out on this issue. You know, speaking of COVID and people held, been held hostage in their home, you got to think about it's also when you're home in your house all day long and you got the news going on. Let's say you listen to CNN or ABC, CBS, or even Fox News. You keep hearing that lie over and over and over again. You begin to believe it. And that's what happened to a lot of people, you know, about the vaccines, for example, you know, they were so scared because they were watching all the doom and gloom that was on the local television station. So everybody run down to the old blue tent and said, jab me first, jab me, jab me, jab me, without even asking a question, what are you jabbing me with? You know, so a lot of COVID was about fear, fear, fear. And then on top of that, you know, you know, they, the spending of money, the massive spending of money that a lot of it went to other places other than the United States. You know, when Pakistan gets $25 billion for a social something practicing in their own country, I'm thinking, what the hell? That was the first bill, the first $2 billion they put out. So, you know, people got, I say this, people got trained this year by the Democrats or uh, the libs or whatever you want to call it, or the left, they got trained as how they needed to act. Because I said this in the very beginning of uh, very beginning of COVID, I said the masks aren't there to protect you, because the scientists know that the mask won't work. As a matter of fact, Fauci came out initially and said the mask don't work. You know, you got a micro, you got a virus that's point uh, zero one two zero nanometers versus a mask that's three thousand micron. It's not gonna. It's just not gonna stop anything. But it was an indication to them how many people were actually wearing the mask. Guess what they didn't see? My black ass with one on. <laughs> because I refused to do it. I wouldn't buy from you. I wasn't going to let you tell me I had to put a mask on. I had a problem with the, uh, the health department because my shop, I wouldn't put up the barriers. you know. And, but yet, Starbucks can stay in business. Harmons can stay in business. You know, all the big box stores could stay in business as long as they complied and forced people to wear a mask, you know, and I just wouldn't comply. So 
you know, now they're trying to bring back COVID again. Um, but I just think it's not going to work this time. I think the past two years we're burnt out of COVID. And now with Elon Musk dropping the walls, it's exposing how much COVID, uh, how, to, how much the vaccine were not effective. And people are beginning to understand this now. Well, I hope I hope you're right that they can't come back and do that again. The damage that they did to our society is just unmeasurable. Um, I was talking about this on a on a radio show once. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the radio from hell show. Oh, was it? Yeah, it, it was a cool show though. So to be fair, like, was it? Yeah, it is a. They are left wing hosts, but they're honest about it, and they ask tough questions and I think that that is exactly how we should be running things right mm-hmm. we should all want to talk we should want to, if you're running for office you should want people to ask you hard questions exactly and uh, but when it, when I brought up COVID and talked about how I had friends who lost their businesses because they got shut down um, you know the mask wearing their or their capacity got reduced and they couldn't make money anymore right whatever it was and it was interesting because one of the hosts was like that didn't happen here I was like that no that happened I but but I, but to be fair about it, when it happened, I was in Texas at the time. I lived in Dallas. They definitely shut down businesses. I helped a woman uh, because she owned a salon, and when they shut her down, she actually opened the salon in violation of the order. I heard of her. Yeah, her name's Shelley Luther. Yeah, I know okay. what you're talking about. She was not political, um, you know. And we, we, I went and I protested for her. She got arrested. And uh, it, it makes me a little emotional because what was interesting is she then ended up running for office. As not a, not a, This is not a person who was particularly political to begin with. She was drawn into it because of what happened to her. She ran against an establishment Republican, and she ended up losing in the primary. But it was sad because here is a normal person who stepped up after being abused by the government, and the people still went with the establishment person. It kind of it made me sad at the time because I was like, I don't know that I have. I don't, and you know, Gal. I mean, we have a few minutes left, but I don't understand that either. You know, you know. Though I've said it many, many, many times that we weren't going to have a red wave because I truly didn't have confidence in the other half of America to see what was really going on the past two years. And so when we didn't have the red wave, one thing I did learn that half of America is still asleep. No matter how bad our economy is and our situation had become in the past two years, we didn't put political affiliation for us party-wise to a side side and say, wait a minute, our country just went down the crapper with these particular people in power. We need to do something different. Not keep them in power, but we need to do something different. You know, yeah, we won the House, barely. We lost the Senate. Well, we didn't didn't gain the Senate, and then we still don't have the White House. And and so I've been telling people, you deserve what you get. You people who voted this way, you brought it on yourself. It's not the Republican Party that's doing it. It's not the independents. That's, I mean, some, don't get me going on some of the independents because some of them are just living in the dark just like a leftist. And it's not the racists that's doing it. It's not the Nazis that's doing it. It's the people in power. And some of those people are Republicans. Some of them are Republicans. I don't care what anybody says. You know, it's not just one power doing what they're doing, or one organization, one group that's doing what they're doing. It's called a uniparty. They all drive this ship. 
So, yeah, you know, and I, I think that's that's something that's been missing is exactly what you're saying. It's not just a Democrat thing. It's Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, it, it is my it has been my view that a lot of the people that were engaged in this shutting down of businesses, uh, the, ma- the different types of mandates, mm-hmm. I think we're very, it turns out, I thought we would, we would want these people out of office. You would right? think, huh? But actually it turns out we're a very forgiving people and we just kind of were- Or forgetful. It might, yeah, maybe it's forgetful. I don't know. I mean, it's like we just get moved from one issue to the other to the other. I can't, I half the time I can't keep track of stuff. Like I don't understand- we're now on, um, it was like that woman that got released from Russia, right? Oh, the Geiner, Geiner. Yeah, so, Geiner. She, so, so like we go from, but then we, we leave stories before they're ever finished. We still like, you know, we have that Paul Pelosi story. We have no idea right. what happened with that. It just kind of like went away. And then, they, then they'll go to the next thing. And it's like Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the most atrocious things that happened in the past two years. And it's just, you don't even hear anything about it anymore. Yep. People still over there, but we we don't hear the conversation anymore about Afghanistan. We, I mean, we just blow through issues as if we're wiping our butts with toilet paper, and then just waiting for the next roll. Yeah, and we don't finish the issue. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we don't. We never get the full story on anything. And then what ends up happening is inevitable. Is as more information comes out, it'll turn out that the initial story was was not what we thought it was, mm-hmm. and it'll be something totally different. But by that time, 99% of the people forgot, they've moved on. They forgot about the initial story. So they don't understand that some of these things that are, are coming out and that are released are done for a particular purpose. They're done to manipulate you. And you have to be able to, I think, as you kind of wake up and understand what's been going on, you're able to see through it much easier than before that happens. And and. and I completely agree with you that because some people just, I don't know. I don't know if some people will ever wake up. You know, some people are so diehard about being a Republican or being, now I'll always be a conservative. I'm not really a Republican. I, mean, I have to be because that's the thing, closest thing to what I, my, the way I like to live. But that being said, I'm not part of, I'm not truly happy with the Republican Party as well because they have elements of the Democrat Party within them. So, but Gal, listen, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, and as always, you know, you're, what do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer. I, I, I'm, I'm, How I'm, did I know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can uh, listen to the man articulate and you could tell he's special. And uh, not all lawyers belong at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> but uh, I, um, I enjoy having you on. I've learned a lot. You're a great conversationist, and uh, we got to do it again. We have an event this weekend. Are you coming? Uh, it's have tomorrow you night. Tomorrow night. Uh, Can you yeah, make I'll, it? I'll try to make it. Try yeah. to make it because we love, love to have you there. And for the rest of you, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, uh, Cafe Conservative Americans for Equality. We're having our yearly um, party. Oh, we're having tons of alcohol and booze. We're having weed there, too. No, we're not. I'm just joking. Just joking, we have kids there, and it's about the kids in the community. Um, it will be a night of no politics, just good conversation. We're going to have some food there. It's free to get in. We're going to be giving away some coats to kids as well. We've already given away about 300 coats already and brand-new coats. So just come out and visit us and have a good time. And uh, 
share the evening with some really good friends. You don't have to be conservative. You could be a Democrat. You can be a liberal. You can be black, white, straight, whatever you want to be. Just come. We don't care. Just join the event and have fun in the festivities. Hey, and I might even sing a song. The key word is might. That's a lawyer word. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I may sing a song. But look me up on the Modern Conservative Podcast dot com and look them up as far as my podcast you can look them up on all the platforms that you listen to your favorite podcast on my name is john harvey you guys have a great weekend and good night america